We're Courtney Gilroy, Gina Quattrochi, and Jordan Strobeck. Our direct sales business brought us together, and it's our full lives as six-figure mom entrepreneurs that bring us here to share all of our best experiences and education with other moms building their social selling empires during nap time. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to the Social Selling Collective, the podcast. Hey, social sellers, we're going to dive into the episode in 20 seconds. But first, we wanted to say we hear you and we have something so exciting to share with you. We are officially announcing that the Social Selling Club is now open. The Social Selling Club is a virtual community membership filled with fresh monthly trainings, a live Q&A call with us, our other special guests, and a private app filled with like-minded social selling go-getters just like you and more. So if you've been thinking, I love my team, but I need more support than I'm currently getting, or I need ongoing guidance on what tasks to do to actually get and stay profitable in this business, or I'm ready to start making real money already, or you've been wanting to invest, but haven't been financially able to yet, then this brand new virtual membership community, the Social Selling Club, is for you. And we're raffling off an annual membership, normally $297, for free to one of our podcast listeners here this summer. If the Social Selling Collective podcast has helped you at all, please take a minute to support the show by downloading the episode and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help us spread the word about this podcast and we read each and every single one. And when you do, you'll automatically get entered into the raffle for this annual membership to the Social Selling Club. We'll announce the winner on Instagram at Social Selling Collective. So make sure to give us a follow there to see that you won. At any time, you can learn more about the club by visiting socialsellingcollective.com slash club. And for now, back to the show. Hi, Aubrey. Welcome to the Social Selling Collective podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here. It's so nice to chat with you. Well, I think that there's no better person to introduce you than you. So start right there. Who are you and what do you do? So I'm Aubrey. I live in Holliston, Massachusetts, which is outside of Boston. And I work for Noonday. So I'm a Noonday ambassador. And I've been doing that for 5 years. Never thought it would land in my lap. It was such a honestly, just like a blessed moment. And I made the choice to jump in and it has completely changed my life. And I love it. I love everything about it. That is incredible. So tell us more. What compelled you to start 5 years ago? So I actually came across it because I entered a giveaway on a blog to win a gift certificate for Noonday to shop with them. And I had never heard about them before. So obviously, I used it and got some stuff. And then when I got the items in the mail, of course, it came with some information about the work they were doing with the artisans and employing women. And I just loved it. And so I thought, I want to do this. And at the time, I was a stay-at-home mom. And I really wanted to buy a lot of the stuff and I couldn't afford it. So that was a way for me to do that. And again, I never thought it was going to end up being a business, right? It really started out as a way for me to get some free stuff, maybe have a little hobby on the side. And it has really blossomed into so much more. And I didn't think I'd be here five years, you know, when I joined. But it's been a cool story. It's been a really fun journey. Well, I can't wait to dive in more. So many people do say yes because of the product. And then at some point, you find that there's a bigger vision that opens up at some point. And it's like, okay, well, maybe it doesn't have to be just about 
the products now. Maybe it can be more maybe mission-centric or financially motivating. And so was there maybe a specific turning point for you where it started to open up and feel like, okay, wait, this could really be something a little more expansive than I initially thought? Well, I think I first joined because it piqued my interest. And then I realized, hey, I'm actually good at this. Like I'm kind of a natural salesperson. People kind of want to see what I'm doing. They want to know what I think is cool or what I think is good. And it just kind of started like that. And then I had people rally around me. I had people want to support me. I really focus a lot on doing a lot of in-person events and pop-ups. That's kind of where I thrive. That's my passion to gather women. I'm good at that. I'll toot my horn. I'm good at that. So that's really what I focused on the last 5 years. And that's what I really put my energy into. Profit has come into it. But again, didn't even consider that at the beginning. It's been such a blessing for my family. And the flexibility. I know you guys talk about that a lot on your podcast. And that has really been such an unexpected gift with having a social selling business, right? I mean, I know that's the whole aim here. But it really is. I never would have thought 3 years ago that I would be doing this as my job, as my gig. I thought that when my kids went back to school, I'd be going back to work full-time. I don't have to do that anymore. And I ended up actually homeschooling my kids. So this is totally flexible for me. Big thing that motivates me was the fact that every single time that I am trying to sell something at an event or I'm putting something on or a pair of earrings, I know that I'm indirectly supporting this artisan on the other side of the world and that this mother is able to stay home with her kids. And she can support them with this fair wage that I'm providing with her. So I, with my job, am providing for my family. But I'm also helping these other women in all these countries around the world provide for their families at the same time. And that is such a beautiful connection and one that I just really love and that motivates me truly in my heart. And that's so incredibly empowering that in your specific company, the product ties into that empowerment issue. And then also in building your social selling business at large and for any social selling company that might be listening, there's always that supportive family effect when you're inviting other people into the business too. And so how cool for you, Aubrey, specifically that you have like a double down effect on helping families both in your product and both in your recruiting and your business building. Uh, that's got to be the most mission-driven morning wake up uh, to get into a work session, I, I can imagine. I love what you said right at the beginning too, when you said, you know, I'm really good at this turns out. And how just speaking to, you know, being a salesperson, moms are the best salespeople. And I think so many people listening can relate to that going, you know what, I really am so good at this. And if I were to like step in and admit that, watch what can happen and what can be the ripple effect of stepping into that fully. And then when you speak to the flexibility and you being a homeschool mama, so many moms in our audience are reluctant homeschoolers right now. And you chose homeschooling by choice because of the level of flexibility afforded you by your entrepreneurship. Can you speak more to that? Oh gosh. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's definitely a challenge every day. So I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that it's easy. It's a challenge. It really, really is. Especially in the summer, we're off our routine. I mean, it's a challenge all the time, right? I don't really have a break between that school year. There's no line for me between the school year and the summer. But just finding the time to do it is hard. I have to be self-motivated and I have to be strict with myself. I can lean against the counter in the kitchen when I'm making dinner and like kind of send out those messages or check those emails. One thing I really do need to work on is honestly like 
setting out those set hours for myself and like putting my phone away for the rest of the time, which I know we probably can all relate to that. We can be better with that. But something that I'm doing this summer, which has been really awesome, Courtney, that I'm super excited about a couple of other women that I work with, we've been doing these like work aside, like work sessions, I guess. So basically twice a week, we just gather on Zoom, but we don't talk. We, you know, we greet each other. We say, hi, you know, what are you going to work on today? And then we just sit for an hour together and we work on whatever we have to work on. And it's been so amazing just to know that these other women are kind of cheering me on and they're holding me accountable that I have to show up. And I know that I'm going to have this like power hour of this work session twice a week has been really good for me. That is beautiful advice. I am hearing more and more frequently about co-working over Zoom and how that's being such a game changer. Because no matter, I think, your level of success in your business, there's always a point where it maybe kicks up a notch and it kicks up a notch and there's more opportunity available. You get to say yes to more things or your flexibility affords you more things. And what I really love that you pointed out is that you are someone who has built a successful social selling business. You've been doing it for 5 years. And you are still someone who stands at the kitchen counter and says, Hey, you know what? I'm blasting off messages right now. And it feels maybe a little bit chaotic. But I also realize that that's a cycle. And I can step into a resource and get in community with other like-minded women to hold me accountable. And, and that that's part of the journey. I really respect that uh, you point that out. And you have to do that. That's part of the self-motivation you just spoke to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard, right? It's hard as moms to put those in the boxes, right? Of like, okay, this is my mom time. Especially me, I have all the hats. Like, this is my mom time. This is my teacher time. This is my business time, my wife time. I mean, gosh, it's so hard. But again, that's the awesomeness of it that it is flexible, right? Like, I could literally not do anything for a whole day. Then the next day, maybe I have two hours to dedicate. I also will say, too, before everything happened with the pandemic, I was once a week having a babysitter come. Like after school hours, and I would just go to the coffee shop and work. And even that was like really life giving for me to know that I had that time where I could be so productive for two or three hours. And then everything happened. That maybe I'll be able to get back to that this year because that was really good for me just to know that I had that on my calendar because it helps, right? It helps to know that I have someone that's going to show up and let me work. So let's dive into that more specifically, too. I think that a big hang up for women, especially in the beginning stages of their business where they feel like financially, their business might not be able to justify paying for a babysitter or hirings for some other service. What would your reflections be on that? How do you approach that idea? The first couple of things is number one, I didn't do that the first three years, right? So it took me three years in to realize like, hey, I'm going to spend money on myself. And that money is probably going to be well worth it. Maybe not dollar for dollar every week, but in the long run, it's going to pay off because I'm going to be so much more productive in those two hours that I'm spending, you know, what, $30 or $40 for a babysitter than I could be in those fringe moments, sending out messages, <laughs> standing in the kitchen or whatever, you know? And so that was like a big aha moment for me just to kind of realize that I needed to invest in myself and invest in that. But also, too, like if you are just starting out or you can't do that financially, which is totally fine, maybe you can find another mom that you live in your community or that also works with you or in your neighborhood, whatever. Maybe you could do a swap, right? I mean, like send your kids off for two hours and maybe on Mondays and then they take your kids on Tuesdays, whatever it may be. I feel like that the awkwardness and maybe the, you know, the hard part of like trying to put yourself out there and being vulnerable with asking for help really is worth it in more ways than one, not only for working, but just to have that sense of community and for women supporting each other. And I can imagine that three years in, 
you know, you're committed to the business, you're working it, you're showing up. And then when you say, okay, I'm investing in myself, I'm, I'm going to say yes to this. I can imagine there was a shift in your business that matched probably the magnitude of what that did for you confidence-wise. Any particular milestones that come to mind? First of all, I want to say the reason that that was like the turning point for me at 3 years was because that's when I started homeschooling, right? So my kids weren't in school anymore. So before I was really doing my business almost kind of full-time because my kids were in school all day and I was able to have all those all those hours to go to work. So that was really why I had to make that pivotal decision of like okay, my life is changing, right? The season of my life is changing and I need to if I want to still keep this, I want to make an investment. So I needed to change that. But again, like I said, I was doing this as a hobby and just something for me to have like some meantime. And when I did decide to homeschool my kids, it was really, if I'm not going to be going back to a traditional job, I need to make this financially viable. That way I can keep staying at home and I can keep homeschooling my kids so that it can all work out. I needed to put in that time. Three years in, like I am good at this. I love it. I'm going to keep going. How can I do more? How can I be more successful? And how can I make it work better for me? I think that's kind of where it all kind of came to a turning point of I am in this for the long haul. And of course, everything happened with the pandemic and things changed and we had to, you know, pivot in all of the areas. But I think that also can be a testament of like, gosh, if I can do this and do it well during such an unprecedented and uncertain time, then holy my goodness, what's going to happen in the next two or three years? Right. I mean, I think that's really the amazing thing is we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to be next, but I'm so excited to find out. <laughs> I think your spirit just comes through the microphone and the video, Aubrey. I'm sitting here getting the privilege of recording this on Zoom for all of our listeners. And she just glows when she talks about both her family and her business and, and this true stepping out. And I was just going to actually ask you, what's been one of the biggest surprises of working in this industry? And you mentioned the the pandemic. So we'll give you that. That's a big surprise. But any other surprises that have just lit you up along the way? Or maybe some surprises that have been challenges that were sort of blessings in disguise? Any big moments? I think the two things that have been like like the coolest parts, right? We'll just say that. Like it would have been like the most fun parts for me are the travel. I've been able to travel all over the world, which has been really fun. And the money to travel too, like for our family and the flexibility to travel. I mean, we just traveled for three weeks. Like who would do that if I had a regular traditional job, right? So going back to that flexibility piece, like that's been amazing. And also the community, right? I mean, I feel like most social selling businesses are mostly female, right? Can I make that assumption? They are. And that has been so cool. I mean, like what other job do you have? I mean, maybe being a teacher, that's a lot of females, but what other job do you have where you're going to be surrounded by hundreds, thousands of really cool, amazing women? I mean, that's just so awesome. So that's just such a part that I wasn't expecting at all and has really been able to kind of fill my plate, so to speak, and has been really, really an awesome gift to my life. And to have these women that I'm friends with, you know, all over the country. And it's been really fun. That's so beautiful. I love how you speak to community. And I think that our community, maybe I'm biased, but I think our community of social selling women are just, they're bar none. They are just incredible, motivated, family-centered women who just get it. And I think there's a lot to be said about staying in the positivity and the spirit and the energy of hey, we've got this and I've got you and I know you've got me and let's work on this business together. And I think that all culminates in breeding leaders. So initially, when you stepped into the business, you loved the product. You had your transformative moment where you said, okay, I'm going to be 
making this serious. I'm going to make this financially happen. I'm going to be homeschooling and traveling and living a life that is aligned and focused to my values. And now you are a true leader and you're constantly curating community of like-minded women and raising them up. And for leadership, what has that been like stepping into it, having the journey you've had and where are you going to go with it? So two things come to mind. Number one is I think it's so fun to be able to share with other women the things that I have found successful or, Hey, this has really worked for me. Let me help you. Like, let me help you grow and let me show you. I love that part of it. It's also been really hard for me to, and totally being vulnerable with my honesty right now, but it's been really hard to like check my expectations. Not everyone is going to be as motivated as me. Not everyone is going to make the time commitment as me. You know, not everyone's going to have the same goals as me. So that's really hard. And I feel like that could be, you know, any job, right? I mean, any job in any field, you know, that's going to be hard. Coworkers are going to have different ambition and different goals, but that's definitely been the struggle. But it's been such a blessing to be able to, yeah, like just watch these women grow and watch them flourish and encourage them to believe in themselves. I mean, that's really what it's about, right? And when you were speaking earlier, I was just thinking um, that came to my mind, which I never really thought of before. Like, it is so cool that all the social selling businesses that come to my mind, that the women that are doing them, they're doing them because they want to. They're running these businesses because they chose to do that work and they stay in it because they're choosing to do it and they love it and they want to be there. And again, that's like so unique and special. I mean, there's so many other jobs where people might get that job and then they're kind of stuck, right? They're kind of stuck in it. They don't really have a choice. I never thought about that before. And I just think that's so awesome that we're surrounded by people that really want to be here. Yeah. And and you have to in order to be successful in this business, I think too, right? Because at the beginning, you're grossly underpaid for the amount of work that you do. And if you don't have that wherewithal to say, okay, I'm going to keep going. I know that there's a compounding effect that's going to kick in for me eventually. Then you are going to fall to the side or this business isn't going to take priority. It, you have to have your heart in it. And What's really great is that once people have demonstrated that to themselves, wow, when I put my heart in this and and I keep going, then I'm staying in community with all these other heart-centered people. Wow, that has a compounding effect all on its own. So I love that you pointed that out. Let's talk the comparison game for a moment. Have there been times, I feel like we all have them, where you look at what other people are doing in the social selling space and you turn around and start asking yourself a million questions. Has there been any instances of that for you? Or, and if so, what are they like? Um, only every day. Oh my gosh, all <laughs> the time. It is really hard, especially once you are, you're not a beginner. I mean, as a beginner, of course you compare yourself and think about the things you should be doing or you should have or achieve. But five years in, I look at these other women that have been doing it the same amount of time as me or less time than me. And it's really it's really hard to sometimes look at them and say, wow, look at everything that they've done or look at everything they have or how many people they have on their team. I should have that. I should have more than that. I, you know, I should be doing that like that or whatever. And that's been really a struggle. But I also have to, again, remind myself like that might not be my strength. You know, Having a huge 100 people team might not be my strength. My strength is selling stuff. I have high sales and I love connecting with people face to face. And so that's what I'm good at. Those are my quote unquote money producing activities. And so that's what I focus on, but it still can be hard. Comparison is so, so hard. 
And I appreciate that you pointed out that your strength is sales. And so it doesn't mean that that has to be changed or altered in order for you to be successful in your social selling business. Playing into your strength and knowing how to play that well is what in turn does make you a really great leader for whoever does decide to join the business because they're attracted to what you're so strong in doing. You know, while leadership can be a big size of the pie, it is absolutely not the only slice of the pie. And I appreciate that you said that. That's incredible. I also had this thought come to mind when you were saying, Oh, I should be doing this. I should be having more. And there's this quote that's like, are you shooting all over yourself? And I think so many of our listeners can relate. I know I certainly can when go, oh, oh gosh, I have to catch myself. Am I putting so many shoulds on myself? And who says? And so I appreciate that vulnerability and that and that share because we all do it. And so call to action, everyone. Let's stop shooting on ourselves and play into your strength. And then let whatever happens thereafter, let it happen thereafter. All good. What tactics or like leadership advice would you give to somebody who is maybe just starting out and getting their first leaders under them? And maybe recall back to when you first recruited someone to be an ambassador with you. What would you wish you had known as part of that journey? Don't be scared of the fact that you might not know it all, right? Like, especially if you're just starting and you're already enrolling women or having women come alongside you. Like that's so fun to do it from the beginning and have your partner with you or your best friend with you or whatever. So don't be afraid and don't think you have to know it all before you can kind of start building that. I think that's the first thing that kind of came to my mind. But also reach out, right? I mean, that's what your other mentors for or your upline or even the people that are alongside of you. Like reach out and ask and ask them to help. And this is something where I've had to kind of also lean on, like you said, those runners or, you know, lean on some other women of like, Hey, I'm going to be gone this week. Can you be point person? Or can you do this? Or you're really awesome at doing this. And I'm, I'm not really as experienced with that. Like, would you mind sharing or whatever? So even that has been like a new skill for me, honestly, like asking other people to like kind of step in because I tend to be a little type A. I just want to know it's going to be done my way and, (laughs) and just take care of it myself. So yeah, I think it's good to kind of lean into those other people, recognize them for their other skills. And also to like something that I'm trying to do more of is recognize the small achievements, right? Like just recognize like, Hey, I'll look in like in my back office, whatever. Um, and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, like all these people, it's only day two of the month and look at what these, these people have already achieved and giving them a shout out and just saying like, I'm so proud of you that you've already done that. It doesn't matter what it is, but like you're doing it. So thank you for doing it. That's wonderful advice, Aubrey. And, and it's just, it resonates so well with parenthood too, right? Where it's celebrate those smaller trying efforts just as much as you do the bigger perceived wins, right? If we're not celebrating their stepping up, then what kind of foundation are we building? Right. And I really love that you, that you pointed that out. And there really are so many parallels to parenthood and entrepreneurship, I find it has not been the same for you. And what does it look like related to your family with your kids and your business? I think the biggest thing, and again, like parenting, business owner, and homeschooling, like I've had to learn to give myself a lot of grace and ask for forgiveness. I will make mistakes in all three arenas and I need to ask for forgiveness. And what an awesome example, right? My kids make mistakes all day long and that's okay. Take a deep breath, ask for forgiveness, start over again. That's just been kind of like a hurdle that we're all kind of working through. And I think as a parent too, I mean, that's just... Yeah. So when you're working and your kids are how old now? So I have a son, Austin. He's 12. And then I have a daughter, Paige, who's 10. 
So with Austin and Paige, now that they're a little bit older, I imagine that working the business in the earlier, younger years when they're at that point, seven years old and five years old, they're still in that mommy, I need you input phase. For the listeners here who are in that phase, any particular advice for what that season could look like or some just some recommendations for that? And then maybe cast a vision for them. What does it look like now, now that you're 5 years out and your kids are a little bit older? Well, I think two things. So first thing is, like I said earlier, you know, trying to be consistent with yourself and your time. Like If you only have 2 hours during the work week, so to speak, you know, when you have your kids full time, if you need to wake up at 6 o'clock and do that hour or do it during quiet time. I mean, I know when my kids stopped napping, we still did quiet time for a really long time. And it was for an hour. I would set the timer. You're in your room. It's an hour. And that's when I would get stuff done or after they go to sleep. And I know we're all exhausted, but like that's just when I would do a lot. And I still do a lot now in the early morning or at night. So that really hasn't changed. I guess the big thing is the quiet time. But yeah, setting us up those hours, even like if they're watching a movie, I mean, like get some stuff done. You know, you've got an hour and a half, like, you know, like pound it out. And also maybe like if you have a spouse, maybe on Sunday morning, maybe you wake up and you just say, Hey, can I have until nine o'clock or 10 o'clock to just get some stuff done? And then we'll have family time after that. You know, just having a conversation with them and like, this is really important with me for me. And how can we make this work? And how can you support me and carving out some of these hours for me to do that? I remember like when my kids were younger and even now still like the tasks change as they get older, but inviting them to kind of come along and explain to them like, Hey, this is what I'm working on right now. Like, do you want to? put these gifts in these bags for my teammates? Do you want to put these products in some pouches for me? Do you want to help me put these tags or like, you know, whatever. Um, especially now my daughter, she's 10. Like she really gets what I'm doing and the purpose behind what I'm doing. And if I do a daytime event, she loves to come along. So just inviting your kids, if possible, <laughs> to kind of take those small parts. So you're not always kind of pushing them away or not always trying to say like, you know, mommy's working right now. But I don't know if you can find ways to involve them. They're very few and far between, but that's been fun to see. I appreciate that a lot. That's a, a theme over here in the the Gilroy house. Is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how can we invite you in? And, oh, and stickers, I, like putting yes. stickers on stuff. My kids love to put stickers on. You know. Oh my like goodness! Yes. <laughs> Thank goodness for office supplies. <laughs> I find that it works. I think you're so right. It gives us an opportunity to step out of our type A-ness for those that that's resonate with that to say, okay, well, you know, it might not be beautifully stamped and addressed and whatever, but hey, it's made with love and intention from a family-centered business. And this is actually very on brand. And so anytime we can wrap the kids up in that, I think is so beautiful. And I'm sure that they would have so much to to say about your being a working mom and teacher mom and getting it all done. I'm curious, what do you think they would say about what you do and how you do it? I think it would probably be a little bit of negative and a little bit of positive, if I'm being honest. I mean, I think at, at their age, they don't really get the full scope of the financial gain, right? Like they don't understand that. And we talk about that a lot in our family, especially the fact that they're home all day. So they have to see me working. Like this is mommy's job. Like, I don't go to an office every day like daddy does, but this is my job and I have to work right now. Like right now, I'm, I, I have an interview this morning. I need you guys to, you know, be quiet. So I think that's really still a struggle, even that they are ordered. They don't understand that. <laughs> It's really hard for them to realize that like this is contributing to our family in a meaningful way, even though I'm still here with you. But then also the fact that they have been able to watch it. What type of job can your kids really see you day in and day out perform and watch what you're doing? 
And again, I hate to keep bringing it up for my daughter, but I feel like that's so important for her to see that mommy is working and that she loves what she's doing. And she's been able to stay at home and take care of you guys and flourish doing this. And like I said before, I, I really thrive on gathering women and doing a lot of events. And she sees that, you know, she sees me inviting women into my house all the time. And I think that's important for her to see and have that role model aspect of her. And, and also that fact of like that I am not only helping my family thrive, but I am certainly helping other women, their families thrive and helping support them and provide them with an income too. So I think that like that chain is just really, really a cool thing for them to witness me doing. Yeah. And because your kids are home all day too, they're seeing it in a, in an amplified effect, you know? So, so yes, they're probably potentially a little more like, okay, mom, really, are you working right now? Can I just, mm-hmm. you know, can we go play and do something? But also they're absorbing probably on such a greater scale, what it looks like to be your own boss and to be doing fulfilling work that is impact and mission driven. And I don't know many academic opportunities in just the general public that offer that experience and exposure. And I think that's a really beautiful, unique gift that social selling's allowed you to be able to do and that by you stepping into it fully and in your own unique aligned way that you've made it happen for your kids in that way. I think that's so incredible. I mean, I feel like kids don't ever appreciate their parents, right? Until they become parents themselves. Or they yeah. yeah. So I feel like I often have to remind myself, like, okay, one day they're going to look back and they're going to be like, wow, my mom did so much for me while she was, you know, like she's kind of kicking butt. Like she was a pretty cool mom. I really hope that they say that one day. <laughs> I'm sure that they will. I'm sure they will. And you also had mentioned too about tapping your husband in on Sunday morning and saying, hey, like time for me to power down for a little bit. What has the relationship been like for you and your husband and starting out with social selling? Has it changed over the course? So I'm so glad you asked this question because it's actually kind of a funny story. So when I was first starting out and we had the conversation about me making this decision and you know joining the company and everything, and he made me like... This is so embarrassing to say. He made me promise that I was only going to be away from the house twice a month. Right? He was like, okay. He's like, you can do this. He's like, twice a month. And then he was like, and you have 90 days to see if you earn your money back, right? On your investment, 90 days. Otherwise, we're done. And I was like, okay, like, we'll just see. Like, okay. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, I'm pretty much going to do whatever I want. So, like, thanks for your opinion, but let's just like see how this goes. But but hold my beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. (laughs) Like, thanks so much for your thoughts, but like, let's go. And honestly, like, even within like the first three months, I don't even know the math on the investment, but mind boggling of what I put in, like can't even like, it wasn't even funny to even think about the fact that I would even like not even do this. And the whole like being out of the house twice a month. I mean, I will say that was probably like, it's probably bad that I kind of don't even consider that anymore. But I, that's part of my mission. Like, and it has changed and evolved. I will be honest, it has been some areas of of some tension, sometimes, especially during the holidays, as you know, like things ramp up. He's like, we have four events this week, like, come on. And I'm like, yeah, but then I have nothing in January. You know, remember that I have nothing in the summer, really. Like we kind of do our own thing. Like you have to keep that. And I think sometimes you forget, right? You have to keep that perspective of like, yes, it's going to be really heavy for these three months and look at everything that I have. But then we're going to have this flexibility over here or look at all the time. And I am home during the day, especially now. Like I think really he's starting to see that, that payoff, right? Of like, this is a life that's working for us. And this is really good. And it's been a blessing for our family. Even though we sometimes I'm like eight or 10 times out of the house a month, <laughs> totally, broke, <laughs> totally broke that promise on the two times, but it's been okay. And he still jokes about it. He still jokes about it fine, fondly now, but 
it's it's so funny how the negotiations can happen, and at the same time, you realize that the more the negotiations you know happen, it's like we're partners, and also. I'm not taking that as like a need for permission, right? Like I'm gonna, sh- I'm just gonna give proof in the pudding and and show that my happiness also has a, a currency too, and and it does. It has such a big ripple effect, and that does become contagious. And I think so many people find that husbands who aren't so sure, spouses who aren't so sure at the beginning, they do have their own sort of compounding effect in falling in love with the business and what it can afford and. I'm sure now that he's coming off of a three week vacation traveling with the family, you know, the cheerleading is all abound, right? <laughs> well, I think also, too, I mean, like you were just saying that it made a big difference when it turned from a hobby to a business, right? Because at first, two times a month for a hobby, that's great. But when you're talking about leaving your family for a significant amount of time, it needs to be worth it. You need to make sure that you're getting financial gain for your time away. So I think that's when it turned into like, now we laugh about it, but it, it didn't really need to be a conversation of seriousness anymore because that was my work. And that was me leaving for work. Yeah. I appreciate that you differentiated that. When the business can be looked at as, this is my job and this is my role and I'm going to show up for it as such, there's such a mindset shift that happens to how you step into sitting down to work too at every session. Can you speak to any mindset shifts, that one or or other ones that you feel have been really profound in your journey so far? Oh gosh, Courtney, you're asking really good questions. The first thing that came to my mind was be prepared to work, right? Like get ready to work. I know you guys say that a lot, but like get dressed. Get dressed like you're going to work. You're going to be more productive when you get dressed. Have your to-do list next to you, carving out that time. Like if I sit at my desk, I'm not sitting at my desk thinking that I'm only going to get five minutes of work. I'm sitting at my desk because I know that I'm going to have at least maybe 30 minutes, hopefully maybe an hour, hour and a half that I really am going to sit down for a set amount of time. And I know what I'm going to be working on. Like I referenced earlier with like the work sessions. I mean, when I sit down at that, at that work session with my friends, I know that like, okay, I have this list right here of people that I need to reach out to. I had some like thank you emails I had to write. And those are my two objectives for that hour. And that's what I did during that hour. So I feel like those are the two things like being prepared, not even like business work, but even just like, like mom jobs. I'm way more productive if I get dressed for the day. If I have on like my sweatpants or in the winter, I'm so guilty about this in the winter because it's so cold here. I will wear my pajamas all day. And then I just want to read under a blanket all day on the couch. And that's okay. Sometimes rest is good and it's needed. But if I get dressed, I'm like doing chores. I'm like, I'm putting music on, you know, I'm doing way more. So it is like that mind shift of you have to get ready for like your work. You have to get ready for the day. You bring up a good point too. And when sometimes if you're like, okay, well, I know, like in theory, I should probably get up and do some stuff or like I can see that I need to get my head in the game, but it just feels like a little bit sluggish that making that physical shift first can really be the catalyst for then getting your head in the game. So I love that you pointed out getting dressed, getting prepared, having that to-do list in front of you. It then can put you into the work mentality. And then work can be fun, you know, when you when you just feel prepared. So what is the most fun for you of this job? I feel like I know the answer, but I won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> two things immediately come to my mind. I mean, I, I've said it like multiple times, but I just really love like parties. Like, I mean, like, who who wants to have a job where they like literally hang out with women and have parties? Like that's the best thing ever. So that has been really fun. And also like just getting dressed. Like it sounds silly, but having a job where I can get dressed up and like feel pretty and put on pretty things has been so much fun. Been 
to encourage other women. I mean, like on a more serious note, like when you go to an event and you, you know, you might hear someone say, I could never do that. I can never do what you do, or I can never wear that or whatever. And really encouraging them that if you want to do it, or you want to do this like me, or you want to wear that or whatever, you actually really can. Um, And just encouraging them to kind of switch their frame of mind. And it's so hard. Like it's so hard as women, right? That we, we get scared so much and we judge ourselves too much. And it's been such a blessing to really encourage women to try something that you might not feel comfortable in. And you'll really have fun with it at the same time. And I don't know, that's been a really fun, unexpected blessing of doing this work and getting out of the house so much. (laughs) From product loving, discount loving to women's empowerment through what others can wear. That has been quite a journey, quite a trajectory. And I'm curious, you're here, you're five years in, you have a team, you have the family life, you're traveling, flexibility abound. What's next for you? I don't know. I'm going to keep, you know, just going to kind of keep doing what I'm doing right now. And I just hope that it kind of doesn't end, right? I mean, that's like a silly thing to, to silly thing to say, but it's been so like knock on wood, right? It's been such an amazing journey and such an amazing ride for five years that I would have never expected. I hope it doesn't end until I personally am ready, maybe for a different chapter or a different journey. Like I don't want anyone else or anything to make the decision for me. And I hope that I can just keep going and that keep having more amazing experiences. Like I want to keep traveling. I want to keep meeting more women, connecting with new people and new communities. I just think that is the beauty. And that's the reason why I'm doing this. And I hope that I can keep doing that for a long time. Well, cheers to the beauty of the business. Aubrey, you have been such a fount of information. This has been a golden interview. And I feel like we could personally talk for hours. But I think that this is a perfect spot to tie up our time together in a bow. And any parting words of advice for anyone who feels stuck or they need a lift and they're wondering, okay, I resonate with Aubrey, but really like, can I too? What would you want to leave them with? I think when you had first, you know, when we first talked about doing this interview and I was thinking about what would I want to say about running a social selling business, I think that the first things that came to my mind were that you cannot be afraid of what people think of you. And that was really hard for me to kind of move past. And I still struggle with it because we all do. Like as women, I think that's really hard. We're all wondering, you know, what's somebody thinking of me? But I really had to push that aside to run my own race, so to speak, and do what I want. Like, yeah, I'm going to have a social selling business. And people might think that it's not cool or that it's not a good decision, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to ask people to join me and they can say no. And that's fine. I'm not going to die if I ask them to join me. They can say no. And I hope that they're flattered that I asked them. And that's great. I'm not worrying about what people think. That's been... It's been a good thing for me, but also a struggle, but probably why I've been successful in the aspects that I've been successful. And the other thing too, that I know I already referenced, but just making sure you have goals. I think that's been really good for me. Having goals and sharing them with your family and also your community of customers and people that rally around you and your team. I know for me, if I share my goals with other people and write them on something and put it in my office, I am 99% more likely to meet those goals because I don't want to admit that I've failed to other people. So those are the two big things that I would say and that I'm constantly kind of checking myself for that have helped me along the way. That is incredible, actionable advice. So you heard it from Aubrey Social Sellers. Hold yourself accountable and run your own 
race. Aubrey has done an incredible job. And as we take this interview across our finish line today, I just want to say, Aubrey, on behalf of all of us at The Collective, thank you so much for sharing your story. It has been incredibly inspiring. And we hope to see you back here really soon. Thank you for having me. This episode might be over, but the conversation is just getting started. If you're ready for more, then you're invited to join us inside the Social Selling Club, our membership community for women in direct sales looking to up-level both business and life. As part of the club, you'll receive three social selling business trainings a month, plus a live coaching call with us, your collective coaches. And most importantly, you're building your own social selling network of like-minded, motivated women for friendships, collaboration, and accountability. You can join us now for less than a dollar a day. So come on over. You can sit with us. Find us at socialsellingcollective.com slash club to sign up right now. We hope you loved what you heard here today. Thank you for choosing to be here. We'll see you next time and inside of the Social Selling Club. 